Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Well, hello there, and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. My guest today is E.A. Solkovitz. He's a serial entrepreneur, business consultant, published author, and founder of Givers University. At some point in his career, he also hosted a very successful nationwide business radio talk show in which he interviewed over 1,000 millionaires. A millionaire himself at age of 23, I'm sure this will be a fascinating episode. Hello, EA, and welcome to Back to Basics. Thank you so much for having me on your great show, and I look forward to sharing some uh, golden nuggets to your, with your listeners. And I was listening to you say those nice things about me, and I thought, well, that's still not as long as my last name, so I better get to work. You know, I mean, <laughs> well, I could have made that very long because you have a very, very impressive background, and you've done so many things. And I'm like, oh, how am I going to shorten this one, not to give away all the good stuff he's done? So why don't we go to the origin story about where you're from and just your early years? And the most important question in this section is, what were you passionate about as a younger version of you? Great. I'd be happy to answer that. I, I live in Michigan now and have for a number, uh, I guess, what, 36 years. And I originally, uh, I'm from Chicago. I lived in the Chicagoland area. Okay. And my father was a milkman. You know, I mean, so, you know, when I was five years old, I'd help him on his route and he would get up at, uh, you know, three in the morning and four in the morning and go chop up ice because the delivery trucks back then didn't weren't refrigerated. So wow. they had to chop up these big blocks of ice and put them on the milk and deliver them. So he had his one, you know, his one truck. He was like one man operation. And and, and I enjoyed, you know, helping him. And I, I back then milk came in glass uh, mm -hmm. gallons. Mm -hmm. And uh, they probably switched to plastic because of how many glass ones I broke helping my father. <laughs> but anyway, you know, well, they... Uh, there's something with that image, though. I can imagine you're telling me that and right there. I'm imagining your dad and you and him delivering the milk that that's very inspirational. Just, yeah. just that. Well, and what's amazing was you know, outside everyone's house, there was this little box that was called the milkman box. And that's where you, we put the milk in that box. And there was all, <laughs> you know, what was amazing was there was always money in it. Always. Oh, wow. They would have a little checklist, you know, of all the things they wanted and, you know, different kinds of milk and half and half. And, you know, we carried it, you know, like orange juice and that was about it. But uh, so they'd make a checklist of what they wanted and, and they'd put the money in there. And, and you know, what was amazing. Not one time did anyone ever touch the money. Amazing. Yeah. Different times. Different, different times. times for different sure. times. Yeah, you yeah. wish you, we could go back to that time. It's, yeah. I, I, I certainly uh, reminisce of that thought. That's for sure. And, uh, uh, and then at 16 years old, I uh, embarked on my first big step towards becoming successful and I became a janitor. Now, oh. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't mind being a janitor because business was always picking up. Mm -hmm. what? Oh, anyway, okay. so, so up, so, little business joke there. Anyway, so the uh, so there was two amazing events that happened while I was 
basically 16 years old, working for this janitorial service. The one was, uh, I was able to be bonded, which means insured. So that if my buffer, when I was cleaning a place, hit some piece of equipment, the insurance company would pay for it. Mm-hmm. It also allowed me to be in expensive buildings, expensive places, and expensive homes. And one of the homes I was in every single Wednesday, I cleaned her home every Wednesday. Besides the fact she had a full-time maiden butler, I did like the swimming pool and the garage and all this <laughs> stuff. But I was there every Wednesday at her house. Mm-hmm. And when I say the name, it won't mean anything to your listeners until I make the movie reference. Then if they've seen the movie, they'll know who I'm talking about. Okay. There was a movie out a few years ago. Uh, and then, you know, it was actually, it still is on available on streaming. And it's a pretty good view, actually. It's called The Founder. Uh, it's about McDonald's mm-hmm. and Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc, right? Okay. All right. Now, I grew up in that area. I grew up in the Oak Brook area where the world headquarters of McDonald's was for decades and decades. And and so I witnessed this whole phenomenon of McDonald's during my lifetime. You know, uh, McDonald's number one in Des Plaines, we drove by it every day at the end of our, on the Milkman route. At the, every day we drove by it. So, wow. you know, I, so I saw, witnessed the whole thing and, and lived in that area. So in the movie, first of all, I want to say, at the beginning, I don't know if you've caught the movie, if you haven't, I recommend it. I mean, yeah. but at the beginning it says, this is based on a true story. Mm-hmm. That is correct. It's based on a true story. But it's not the true story. There's a huge difference of what happened and, you know, a lot of Hollywood spin and they paint Ray a way that he really wasn't the way that they portray him in the movie. But it, there's a lot of events that happened that are nodded to in the movie would be probably the best way to say it. Ray was actually quite different than they portrayed him. They just, you know, Hollywood drama to make it interesting. Well, know, yeah, like, I always yeah. tell my husband, this is a, a true story. He's like, he's based on it. So he always yeah, makes that distinction. There's a big difference, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and one of my favorite sayings is whenever someone says story, I said, you know what I always say about story? No matter what you've heard, there's always more to the story. Yes, no matter absolutely. what, there's yes. always more to the story, right? Yes. So, uh, so in the movie, Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc. And he's talking to this lady outside his office. She's in the whole movie. And he says, June this, June this, June that. That lady is June Martino. That lady is the lady who every Wednesday I cleaned her house. Oh, right? Wow. So when I met her, so if you see the movie and you have, you see June Martino, every Wednesday, that's the lady whose house I was cleaning. And by the way, I was 16 years old and she was in a million dollar mansion at that point, right? Full-time maid, full-time butler, Rolls Royce in the garage. I mean, this was like never, never land for me. Just incredible, you know, wonderland, you know, that people really Mm -hmm, did this way. I imagine. And one day I asked her, uh, because she knew who I was. I was in there every Wednesday and she was, this was something that was really amazing to me. She was very approachable. I mean, she, you know, she wasn't stuck up and she, you know, and, and for some reason I had thought up to that point in my life that to be rich, you had to, you know, be me only oriented and step on people and, you know, I don't care. I'm just going to get them. You know. and she was just the opposite. In fact, if I was buffing the floor and looking down and she walked through the room, she would say hi, even though I hadn't even, I was looking down. I mean, that kind of person, right? Very I, approachable. Yeah, nice. So I asked her about McDonald's one day and she brought me in the kitchen and the entire day told me one-on-one the entire story from when, interestingly enough, almost where the movie starts, where she worked for Ray as when he was a milkshake mixer salesman before he met the McDonald's brothers. That's where she started. Wow, it was extraordinary. That's, that's amazing. And then all the way up to virtually the minutes were sitting there. So the one thing that was important about that time period in that event was that she told me about the impact Ray had on her life. And I remember after hearing the story that day, just thinking, man, where would I find my Ray Kroc? 
You know, mm. I, I mean, how, where would I find someone that could put me under their wing and teach me all the things? Because not only do I not know what I need to know, I don't even know what it is I don't know. All I know is I don't know it. That's all I know, I right? And, and if I could just meet someone that knew it, whatever it was, right? And and then I could be something too in my life and just not a son of a milkman burnt out janitor who thinks his fun time is getting free songs on a jukebox cleaning bowling alleys at two in the morning, you know? Well, but you Which are is, a wise 16-year-old though because your well, intuition sounds like you were so alive with your intuition. Incredible. I, appreci I appreciate that. And I, I, I will say this, I was I was quite fascinated by June because right? she was so the opposite of what I thought rich people were, you know, mm -hmm. and she was really my first, I, I guess, sort of contact with someone face to face, name to name, who was what I would call super rich because at then I, I could barely count them. She had the third most controlling stock in McDonald's when I met her. So, wow. I mean, she was very wealthy, an icon in the area. Right. And and it, she was a curiosity to me. And I thought, man, and and how approachable and she was so different. I thought, man, she's she's got a lot of wealth and she's happy too. And I could tell she's not happy because of the wealth. You know, she the wealth came, but she was happy. You could just tell she was that kind of person. Yeah, so probably so, broke your idea of to be rich, totally. you have to be this. And now you, and now that possibility of, oh, I can be rich and also be a cool guy and be all the things I want to be. That's a possibility now. That's yeah, great. I, I mean, maybe, just maybe it could happen to me, right? So mm -hmm. I just threw it out there. Well, after that conversation with her that day, I, I mean, it was even the same day. I thought, you know, where's my Ray Kroc? How would I meet my Ray Kroc? Where would I meet? And it wasn't about two months later, we got a phone call at the janitorial service, the same one I was still working at. And my boss sent me over to uh, show some carpeting to this man because the janitorial service sold carpeting. And the guy there offered me a job. He was opening a diamond store and uh, I started working for him and he became the father I never had, even though I had a father. And he and I became the son he never had, even though he had a son. He became my Ray Kroc, my mentor. And he was an extraordinary, puritanical genius. Not, you know, in my lifetime, and I, I've been blessed to meet, you know, like when I had, was on the radio, I met a thousand millionaires and, you know, and, and interviewed them and, and met a lot of people over the 40 years plus in business. And I can share with you that over the, that time period, I met a lot of educated idiots. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the ones that have all of the book knowledge and they can spew it back at you, uh, but they have no execution and implementation skills. They, they don't know how to apply it. They don't know how to, they just know they, this theorem that they learned and they throw it at you, right? And my mentor was quite the opposite. He was all about execution, all about results. And to share a fascinating story about him that really sort of caused me to pattern a lot of the direction in my life because here's my mentor. And when I met him, I didn't know what a mentor was. I, you know, I didn't even know how to spell it. I think I'd, you know, spent all my hooked on phonics money on something else. So, <laughs> you know, so I, so, but he, he really genuinely was my mentor and he shared with me a story that was so fascinating to me. He told me about what it was like growing up in the great depression in the United States. And he said, you know, during the great depression, people lost their fortunes. And he said, there were people jumping off of buildings, committing suicide because they had lost their fortunes. He said, multi-mile long soup kitchen lines. They were waiting multi-mile to get a bowl of soup. He said, it was desperate times. And he said, for some of our meals, we even ate cardboard. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Right? 
So one day he was walking around and he you knew no one was hiring. It wasn't working. And he just walked by the store and he saw there was a guy standing in the back. So he just went in to talk with him. I mean, you know, had nothing on his mind or anything. Just figured he would just sort of burn the clock kind of conversation. And it turned out the guy owned the store, the guy standing in the back. And it was a sewing machine store. It was all filled with sewing machines. They were clearly collecting dust. No customers coming and going. And the guy said, yeah, I said, uh, no one's buying sewing machines. They're looking for food, you know. And he said, uh, these things are all paid for. I own the store and they're just collecting dust. And he said, I had to let all my employees go. I couldn't afford to keep my employees. And he said, so it's just me here every day. And my mentor had this flash in his mind. And he said, uh, well, how about if I help you sell some of these? And the guy said, what do you, what do you have in mind? And he said, well, certainly people can't afford to buy a sewing machine. He said, but how about if we sold them on payments? And he said, you, I'll set it up. We could split the payments. And he said, and I'll back a sewing machine. So if anyone ever walks with one, you're covered. You'll never be out. He said, and maybe I could help you sell some. And the guy said, man, go for it. These things are just collecting dust and they're all paid for. They're doing nothing. So the next thing my mentor did was astonishing. Mm -hmm. He put together a flyer and the flyer said women to work from home. Wow. And, and, and basically how to contact them. Do you know, he told me he never fully was able to catch up with all the responses. There were so many because no one was hiring. And the fact that anyone was hiring was extraordinary. So, uh, and he put together this amazing scenario where he sold women this sewing machine on payments, gave them the patterns to sew with, Ugh. gave them the material to sew with, and then guaranteed he would buy the clothing from them. Wow. Which basically guaranteed their income which allowed them to make the payments on the sewing machine and have an income on top of it, right? Which everyone needed. But it didn't stop there. He bought this clothing from them. Then he sold it to stores as handmade, high quality, deep discount priced clothing that the store owners then sold the customers who wanted high quality clothing at deep discounts because no one had any money. That's incredible. In 18 months, when people are jumping off of buildings, multi-mile long soup kitchen lines, he earned $1 million. Incredible. And he made a win-win scenario for everybody. Even to sell, he never lied in the story. Like he was providing handmade clothing. <laughs> exactly know, it's, right. It's incredible. That, that's amazing story. And he actually said, he said, to your point, he said, what I actually did was I, he said, I looked at every each person's problem and I solved it for him. Absolutely. I looked, I looked at the sewing machine yeah. owner and I solved him. I, you know, people need to earn income. And he said he built this huge by itself. The thing blossomed almost uh, this network and community of women working from home. And then from that, of course, the store owners and ultimately the customers. Incredible. And so and he said and he said an amazing thing to me on the story. He said, I want to share with you that you'll never have money problems. And I looked at him and said, well, that, okay, how does that work? You know, how, how do you never have money problems? You know, how in the world do you never? He goes, well, he says, it's a misinterpretation of the event. He said, you'll have a number of times in your life where you'll have idea challenges. He said, but you're never going to have a money problem. He said, and if you think you have a money problem, you're wrong. You have an idea problem. You have an idea challenge. Mm, he said, because that. everything, every great business at one point, tracing it all the way back to your show, back to basics, mm -hmm. tracing right. it all the way back, they came up with 
an idea. And that's where it started. He said, I, everything I did in solving their problems, I just came up with an idea to solve his problem. I came up with an idea to solve his problem. Okay. And he said, and that's how all that happened back then. And I, I'll never forget that. He said, you'll never have money problems. He said, and if you think you do, you're looking at it backwards and wrong. You have idea challenges. So when we get back to basics in business, when we get back to basics in our life, Sometimes what happens is we get so caught up in so many other things, we get derailed and we don't even know we're derailed. So what happens is we need someone like yourself and like your show that comes along and tells people, hey, let's get back to what works. Let's get back to the basics because those basics will work. So many times we've made it so complicated and got off the rails, you know, we really truly cannot see the forest for the trees because we're in the middle of the thicket. And uh, he, he shared with that, that ability to sift through and filter and filter and filter to get down to what works. Wow, so, that's incredible. Uh, I mean, that right there must make you one of my best guests ever because you tied so well into really <laughs> what I'm trying to do here. And and just, uh, yeah, sometimes the, the simplest things are right in front of our eyes. And I don't know why we're, we just get wired or allow ourselves to think in such complicated terms that that it's it's a self-sabotage of sorts it really is and uh and and one of the things he taught me he said people live backwards because they always want the answer he said everyone's an answer how do i do this how do i do that he says it's backwards it's backwards thought it's backwards answer he said the answers are all around us they always have been they always will be he said focus on asking the right question Mm-hmm. not the answers. He says, because you're going to get the answer. He said, most people ask for what they do not want in life. And then they're surprised when they get it. He said, and factually, what we should be doing is focusing on the right question. And he told me, he said, whether you know it or not, you inadvertently tripped on the right question when I just threw it out there and said, where would I find my Ray Kroc? Notice I didn't say I'd never find him and that I'd never made them, or that would never happen. I just said, where would I find him? In other words, I was already assuming I was gonna meet him. Where, where is he? I've gotta go get over there and meet where he is, right? Absolutely. He said, so inadvertently by asking the right question, because our lives become self-fulfilling prophecies and the answers, and, 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 we, and we create those end results through the questions we ask. So he said, focus on asking the right questions you'll always get the right answers. Ask the wrong question, you're gonna get the answer, but it's gonna be the wrong answer because you asked the wrong question. He said, focus on asking the right question. So that's what he did. So at at 19 years old, I asked him, I said, Sam, his name is Sam Robbins. I said, Sam, will you teach me everything? I mean, all of it, just don't hold back all of it, get (laughs) on. He said, okay, I will, but I want one thing from you. He said, when the time is right and you will know that time, I want you to teach as many people as you possibly can everything I've taught you. So at 19 years old, I made a vow. At 19 years old, I made an oath to my mentor that today has manifested itself basically as Givers University because everything in there, everything that's taught at Givers University, I didn't make up any of it. I was just a conduit. And part of it was my mentor taught me, I can do it. What? Anyway, so that was so. I love it. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a good one. I got that one. <laughs> so, so I, I was very blessed with meeting this man and him being my mentor. And I only had one back to your original question. 
I only had one superpower because I said, you got to have a superpower, right? I only had one. Here, it, this is it. I had the ability to say, you know, I don't know about that. Could you teach me about that? I'd love to learn about it. That's it. Where everyone else is so interested in being preeminent, they're so interested in being the smartest person in the room. My mentor said, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Get out of there. He said, there's <laughs> nothing you're going to learn there. He said, get to the other rooms where you can learn something, right? Oh my and, God, so much wisdom. Yeah. And he just, every day was a new thing, you know, and I was just, and, and my challenge was keeping my mind open because sometimes I felt like, oh man, he's just stretching my thoughts. And that's what he was doing. He was stretching my whole thought process and, and expanding my thought into areas that a son of a milkman burnt out gender doesn't know and, and doesn't learn those things, right? So I just asked, I just started asking people, you know, how do you do that? How do you do that? Boy, that's really interesting. I'd love to learn how to do that. And I always made sure, which is very important in selecting a mentor. That's why I'm such a huge advocate for mentoring. Find a mentor. In my world, if you don't have a mentor, we call that naive. That's what we call it. Because there's a reason the mentor is on the sidelines. He can see both teams play just like the coach. They don't put the coach on the field next to the quarterback because he'd see the same thing as he does. They put him on the sideline so he can see both things. And he can whisper in the quarterback's ear, hey, you know, see that guy in the right? Be careful. He's coming at you and he's about 350 pounds. He's going to mow over you like you're standing still, right? He can whisper in the quarterback and say, do this, do this, that. He has a different vantage point. That's why those vantage points, some people say, well, I can't afford a mentor. As I got news for you, you can't afford not to have one. And if you're saying you can't afford one, that's all the more reason. You, the reason you can't afford one is because you don't have one. That's the reason. That's, <laughs> I, that I absolutely agree. I yeah. absolutely agree. I think there's a lot of things in life that people, especially, well, I'm in telecommunications. I've said this before in the, in the show, that people confuse being busy, being important, being, you know, like a high-level executive with, I don't have time for mentorship. I don't have time to be a mentor. I don't have time to do a podcast. I don't have time to anything for which I don't know what's that going to get me, what result I'm going to get out of that particular action. I don't do it. And I definitely agree with you that that's uh, the backwards approach. And, and I'm on a mission to prove that because when even in telecommunications, something two weeks ago, something happened that was incredible. It happened because of my podcast. But I never approached the situation to have that result on my actual job, but it just happened because of the podcast. And it's very hard to explain to those people or, or to people that don't believe in, in the, the power of, of just asking that question, you know, and, and making it happen and manifesting. So I'm so happy with all you're saying because you're a living example of full manifestation. Yeah. I, I, and, and again, all these things were just, I was just dumb enough to listen to someone smarter than me. I was what you call, <laughs> I was what you call intelligently ignorant, you know, oh. I, and, and ignorant from the standpoint of puritanically just not knowing, you know, that kind of ignorance, not, not doing something out of spite or something, which is not really puritanical ignorance. I just didn't know, but I, at least I realized I didn't know. And I asked people, and whenever I wanted to learn something in my life, I kept thinking about what my mentor taught me. When you find a mentor, find someone and make sure you are with someone that has done it, not someone who's an educated idiot. If they mm -hmm. haven't done it, you see, because when they've done it, they bring with them all the things that didn't work. And there's where the wisdom is. 
Oh, yeah. And the person that hasn't done it, when you're paying them to be a mentor or a coach or something, what you're really doing is you're paying for their further education because they, <laughs> they don't know what to do. You know, so that's how you know, let someone else pay for their education. I want to find someone who's done it. And then I can ask them the real juicy questions. You know, why didn't that work? How did that work? What was wrong with that? You know, and and the real lessons, you know, and the difference between education and wisdom is education is learning. You can learn from a book. But whereas wisdom is knowing what to do and when to do it. And my mentor taught me those things. So all of those things, I'm so blessed to be able to share with people, you know, and, and through Givers University, something that's very important today. And I'd like to cover some if I can with for your listeners. Absolutely. Because that's, I want to hear all. It really is something that is the ideal scenario of what getting back to basics all is. And, and there's a skill today that used to be taught many years ago, and it is not being taught anywhere. And I can share with you, I've done nearly 180, 180 podcast interviews since last April, right? My wow. goal was 200 April to April. And I, and I can share with you now, one host has said, I've heard with someone else that's being, teach, being taught, I should say. And it's real simple what we teach at Givers University. I could put it in one word. The word is discernment, right? And elongating that, we teach people how to discern in their relationships. Now, how would I explain that? Well, we teach people, first of all, I say to your listeners, and I say it to everyone, emphatically, we love everybody. I say it again, we love everybody. <laughs> and we teach people how to separate the person who we love from their deeds, which we may not love. And by teaching them an observation, an awareness skill that's not being taught anywhere else, we teach them observe and look for these things. When you see, don't listen to their words, watch what they're doing and observe these deeds. And then from that, you will then begin to discern from what I'm watching them do. Should I pull them closer into my life and become a part of what we call our giver community, the ideal people we want around us? Or because of what I'm watching them do, should I begin respectfully, not rude or nasty, respectfully distancing myself from them? Because if I bring them closer, they're going to make me collateral damage. And I ask your listeners right now, think about all the fires you stomp out every day. Think about when your stress level goes up. What's in common with those? There's a name attached to them. And if we are taught how to discern upfront in advance who we should bring in closer and who we should respectfully, not rude or nasty, just respectfully not be available, respectfully distance ourselves. So we don't label people. We don't, we don't call, you know, a person is not a giver. What we're identifying is we identify the deeds. When we say giver, we're identifying giver deeds. When we say taker, we're not saying a person, that person's a taker and labeling them. We're not. We're saying taker deeds, the things they're doing are the deeds you want to distance yourself from. So we teach people how to discern, how to observe those things in advance, even by virtue, very granular, actual checklists, genuine checklists. In fact, you, I, I noticed, as I, I mentioned earlier, that you just signed up for our newsletter. And, uh, and make sure when you, you'll get an email back that uh, immediately you'll get an email that says, do you want to talk to these people? Because we don't spam. So if you don't <laughs> respond to that, you'll get nothing else from us. There'll be no communications because we don't spam. So make sure you respond to that. And when you do, about two hours from then, today, you'll get a checklist. That's the 25 do's. It's one of my favorite checklists. 
download it, print it off, use it. I recommend that your listeners do the same thing because it, it literally is the 25 things to watch and, mm -hmm. and, and in a checklist form. Uh, you see them doing these things, you see them doing these things, total up the check marks on the bottom, and you're already headed down the right path as to whether you should pull them in closer or respectfully distance. So no one today is teaching us something that's so vital that years ago was so basic because every family was taught this and it was taught in the school. Be careful who you associate with. Be careful of those yeah, people. You're going to be true. known by those people. And, and, and today it's like, oh no, just be with everyone. And, and, you know, and sometimes by the way, the other guy's not doing it right. So what should I do about that? You know, because <laughs> I'm a self-improving person. You're a self-improving person. I'm sure many of your listeners are, but no one's teaching. What about the other guy? If he's doing it wrong, what should I do about that? Why bring them in closer and you become yes. collateral damage? Your productivity goes out the window. Your stress level goes up because you're stomping out all these fires when it just be easier not to have them in your life and to have known in advance how to discern what to look for so that you knew should I bring them closer or should I not? Most people aren't even having that thought process. They don't, they don't know what to look for. And it's a skill. It's an observation skill, an awareness skill that we teach virtually by checklists, even very granular. This is what you look for. These are the things. And this is the reason why you do these things. And the results with people's life has been such a blessing to see how it now changes the way their 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 paradigm of how when they look at people and when they observe people they're much more in tune they're they're observing things that before they didn't even look at and i and i, I call it the green car theory the green car theory is you never notice how many green cars are on the road until when you get ready to buy one when you get ready to buy a green car, all of a sudden they're everywhere. I never saw so many green cars in my life before. Where in the world? And they've always been there, right? Yes. I, I yes. just, our awareness wasn't focused there. Our awareness wasn't pointed there. And it's the same thing with these checklists and how to discern whether someone's a giver or a taker. Remember, we identify their Ds. We're not labeling them. But think about how much more productive, we've proven it, how much more productive people's lives are when they have the right people around them. And, and we can go all the way back to basics if we want to step even further where you had a master and an apprentice, mm -hmm. right? What is that? It's, it's a mentor relationship. A master and apprentice is a mentor relationship, right? And, and they lived upstairs right where they work. Isn't it interesting where we're at right now with remote working? How interesting, yes. yeah? And, uh, you know, the, as, as it goes, and actually it's ecclesiastical, it says, that which has been is that which shall be. That which has been done is that what shall be done. There is no new thing under the sun. So the point is those things and getting back to basics, I actually think you're on the cutting edge of a whole thrust in that direction where people are saying, you know what, uh, relationships are more important than maybe we gave credibility to them before, you know? Uh, and, and we didn't think about who was around us. We just sort of were blasting forward at, you know, with fire in our hair, at breakneck speed. And now all of a sudden we see businesses open and closing faster than ever before. We see products being antiquated overnight. But now we're realizing when all that's done, what's left? Our relationships. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and to your point, the discernment, like I have a perfect example. Just today I negotiated a, co a contract with a customer that has been our client for 30 years. Wow. Awesome. We had never had an issue 
great relationship, but this company was just acquired by a big, big corporation, right? So now we are about to do a new project and the lawyer shows up and they come up with all these long lists, you know, oh, from, from yeah. you know, the acquiring company questions like, are these an existing vendor? So yeah. this lawyer doesn't take the time to understand the situation right, right. and presents us with, you know, clause after clause after clause. And one of my points to them, I say, listen, I can comply with this, but there's there's a 30 year relationship here. Yeah. In which we have function, we have never sued each other. We have we the companies were great. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There are some clauses in our quote that that say you're gonna pay. They never paid. We never enforce the clause. But the moment you push the, all those clauses that you new clauses you want to push on us, you're gonna break that trust. And so this is someone coming into a situation without wanting to, as you say, put discernment into it. What am I coming into? What have value I'm creating? And they're really destroying value just by covering their butt into what they're bringing. And so we do that on our day-to-day -day life all the time, like coming into a situation, don't care to see the background. They see what the, what's value is in here. And we can destroy value without even noticing it. And it's very dangerous. Yeah. Well, and I, I have uh, I had one attorney that became a very close friend of mine, and he gave me so many great insights into that industry. And he said, you know, I'm not, and it was right after I had met him. He said, you know, I've never lost a case in my life. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, now my clients lose about half theirs. He said, but I always get paid. So the point was, <laughs> so, so, so yes, he said, yes, he yes. said, so he said, as an attorney, and he gave me so many insights. He said, remember, I have one client, me. <laughs> He said, that's my client. Then he said, when someone hands me an agreement, no matter how good the agreement is, he said, I have to tear it apart because otherwise I can't justify my bill. He said, Absolutely. I can't just hand it back and charge him $10,000. He said, I got to take that thing and then just supplant words. And he said, I'm going to spend all these hours so I can keep. And he said, you're going to meet some attorneys later on in your life that based on their billing hours, they're 250 years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. So, so and, and I got to tell you, he was so excellent. One of the few attorneys I've met mm -hmm. in my life and for those few attorneys out there who really are results or oriented. He was one of them, you know, they like to get in there, represent, the get the thing done, get it done with the least amount of friction, get it handled. And whatever he built, he built and it didn't, it, it really was so secondary to him. And I, I, the guy was an amazing man. I just loved him. His name is Jim O'Connell. I'll just never forget him. Ah, and uh, what a good man. So, uh, so I appreciate your story on how he comes in with his long list. And I, I wanted to be a lawyer, and <laughs> I now realize I would have been a very strange lawyer, you know, because yeah. I would have approached a lot of things very differently. But that's a community, I think, that would be perfect givers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like to go into You're these right. programs and see how do you give to your customer and create value rather than uh, prevent you from doing something. Uh, but uh, so, so tell me about, um, and I know I can talk to you for hours, but I want to get into the needy. So you want to create givers community. What's the ultimate goal besides fulfilling a, a beautiful vow that you made to your mentor and giving giving back? But what's your ultimate goal for Givers University? Well, uh, we actually have a 30-year plan. 30 years, we'll know exactly where we'll be. And in 15 years, 15 years, we will have over 1 billion givers worldwide. And we know exactly how we're going to do it. And, uh, and, and so... You know, and it's still same things. You know, once we realize that something that the the only limitation we have are the ones we're going to accept, 
and 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 it's amazing what can really happen. And again, these things were taught to me. Um, and I want to share with a, a, a way for your listeners to get so much great free information that we provide on how to build these giver communities. In the interest of time here, they can go to our YouTube channel. It's one word. Go to YouTube and just put in Givers University, all one word, no spaces, right? And look for the playlist. It's a public playlist. It's all free. And it, right now it has 19 two-minute clips. And it's going to finish at 21. It'll be a total of 21. And it starts these clips. The name of the playlist is how to form your own community, how to form your own giver's community, right? And it takes them through in two minute clips. The first clip is, what's the difference between a giver's community and a taker community? And then it goes through step by step by step, the seven steps of forming a community. What do you do? And the last couple we're working on now, because we bring out one new of these uh, episodes every week. Uh, so there's only gonna be a couple more. We're right now in the middle of the agenda. Once you have a community set up and you're, and you're meeting together on a regular basis, what do you do? You know, I mean, why do these mastermind groups come together and then two or three months later, they just sort of dissipate and fall apart? There's a reason for that. So we actually are even now providing an agenda. These are the questions you ask when you get your group together of two to 12 people, uh, you know, your closer community, your insider community, if you will. These are the questions you ask when you meet on a regular basis, and this is how you help each other, and this is how you look at it, and this is how you approach it, and here's the agreements everyone should agree on up front before you allow them into that close-knit, intimate group that you have uh, working together. So go to our YouTube channel. It's all free. Go right on there, and and it, everything they need is right there because our intention is to put it out there and to help people. And I've already seen like on LinkedIn and some of these other areas where I can see people that I was actually just on their show and they're already forming, you know, business groups. And I, and I thought, you know, that's what you need to do. And what is that? That's exactly what your show does. Back to basics. When there was a group of people got together and they genuinely helped each other be more prosperous, right? And it's a wonderful thing that you do. And uh, and I share that and I, and I pray that, you know, the listeners listen to this a few times. Also, to get this information, uh, as you just did, go to our website, giversuniversity.com. Real simple on that page. On each page, there's a place to sign up for our newsletter. It's absolutely free. We don't spam. Every Thursday, every Thursday morning, that's the only thing we send out. And on Thursday morning, there's about a five-minute read, and it's called the Giver's Toolbox. We give a new relationship tool that they can put in their relationship toolbox every single week on Thursday morning. And uh, it's absolutely free. We put it out there because we know the the value of putting those things out there and to causing that paradigm shift and to have people be thinking that, you know what, I don't need to have people doing the wrong things around me. You know, and I can, I can, and I can discern and separate the difference between the person who I love and the things they're doing that I may not love. That doesn't mean I don't love them but I'm going to separate because I know their deeds are not the ones I want to participate in. So that's okay. God bless you. We love you. But I want to have those people around me doing the things that are parallel to where I want to go and what I want to do. So it's such a pleasure to be on your show. And and I hope I was able to share some beneficial information passed on to me from my mentor to you. No, that's, I mean, you are the reason why I do 
this show because that's how this connection forms, how I'm finding incredible people like you that, you know, just this is the perfect example of if how this podcast was born. If I had met you and we would have that, that this conversation at a restaurant somewhere, I would have said, oh, I wish I wish some of my friends and people I know would have heard EA speak because as much as I want to tell the same story about, you know, June and how you, you know, and your mentor and it never comes across the same way, but to hear it from your words, to know that you, someone like you is out there in the world wanting to give back and you have, you know, mentorship programs. And, you know, every time I have a guest like you, I always register in their, of course, newsletter. And, and that is, it fills my soul, you know, because then, you know, where you are and, and you know where to go to for uh, wisdom, information, resources, as you say. And that's why companies, when they're so, they feel they're in this fog and the mist is all around them and everything has seemed like it has gotten, gotten so complicated, that's why they should call you because you can help sift that, sort through it and say, okay, let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to the things that we know work and let's focus there and then we can work on all the other things. And I just think you do a marvelous job of that. Oh, thank you, thank you. Well, you know, you have an open microphone. I know you've done a, a lot of podcasts and you, you know, you, it's an honor to have you on the show, but you have Mine an open well. microphone here at Back to Basics. But uh, you know, the last question is always the same, but what do you do to go back to basics when you feel some of that fog yourself and you need to reconnect to your essence? What, what makes you tick? And it's so easy, you know, I mean, today with everything moving so fast, you know, it's so easy to get caught up and we, we, we have to have a way to, to, to realign, you know, and, uh, and, and I basically do two things and it's real simple and straightforward. The first thing is every year I read the Bible cover to cover every year, cover to cover. And and it's actually simpler than most people think it is. I mean, two chapters from the Old Testament and 20 verses from the New Testament, 15 minutes a day, and you will have gone from the beginning to the very end. Oh, I do that, oh, and I've done I that every year for years. I read it once cover to cover. It took me yeah. four years, but yeah. I'll go. Yeah, well, and it's just, again, you know, the, the simplest. <laughs> and I do that every day. All right, and every day, 15 minutes. It's only 15 minutes, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's still I what mean. it does. It, it it resets me. It puts me back, you know, and it brings me into those basics and those things that are important in life mm -hmm. to have not get caught up in those yeah. things that really aren't. And the, and the second thing is, what my I say something to myself that my mentor talked me into saying to myself, it's three phrases. And he said, say these to yourself every single day from now on. He said, because as you go through, he said, as you go through your life, you're going to get tackled a thousand times. He said, get ready for it. It's coming and there's no escape. If someone says everything has worked out for them and they've never been tackled, distance yourself because they're next. It's coming at them and they've been saving up. And you know, they I just told it. you if they're saving up, it's going to be a whopper. He said, so oh, you know, make God. some room. So, I love that. So he said, these three phrases, say these over and over again. And I have for 40 years plus. And I can share with you that they've had a huge impact on my life with as fortunes came and went and came and went and came and went and, and all the twists and turns of life and living life and all the things that happened. So these three phrases I share with the listeners and I pray they write them down, use them and say, begin saying them every single day and watch how they impact your life. And the three phrases are, I will never give up. I will keep rising up and I will always overcome. Oh, wow. Very nice. Can you say one more time? Yes. One more time. 
Oh, you wanted me to say the phrases. Oh, I thought I thought you wanted me yes, to say one more yes, time. I yes, said, yes, I can say one more time. Because it's a perfect, perfect time. way to close. It's just uh, powerful. Yeah, I will never give up. I will keep rising up and I will always overcome. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that wisdom, those special three phrases that have guided your incredible journey. And, uh, you know, I'm Thank pretty you. sure this podcast is going to find the right people to listen to and to create more and more givers communities. EA, awesome. thank you so much. Thank you for having me on your show. And as we say in Givers University, don't have a good day. Have your best day ever. Thank you. We'll do likewise. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe Rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcast or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.